Anyway, I might as well do my intro. Welcome to the show. <laughs> uh, my name is Charlotte, and uh, I'm going to be your host for the next hour, whether we... Hill, there he is. He's there. I'm going to be your... <laughs> That's just how the night's going. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. Uh, whether we do... Uh, have our guest on or we just talk ghosts today that's what we're going to do uh my headphones uh my real good sound canceling headphones apparently have decided to cross the rainbow bridge today so um that was my horror i went to start the show and there was no sound and so i was uh trying to figure everything out and i even i didn't know what was going on i thought it maybe was my uh my uh system that i use hang on one second let me push the button there is I thought it was the system that I, I channel everything through, but it wasn't. So um, it turns out it was my headphones. So hopefully I can get a hold of Tim and get him on because I have a great show set up for you guys. It was going to be a phone interview anyway. So, wow, what a day. You can see I got different headphones on today because of the situation. Hopefully I can find out what's going on with the other headphones. If not, I'll have to get myself a new pair. Let me try and call him one more time. And if not, I'll uh, give you guys some updates on some stuff. So let's try this again, shall we? Anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm going to make a couple of announcements today in that we are going to be doing a, uh, on, this, on Sunday, September 19th, we are going, September, oh my gosh, that's how I'm doing today. On Sunday, December 19th, I don't even have my light on, look at that. The things, everything went down so fast, I never even lit myself up. Um, on Sunday, we are going to be doing a um, solstice what do you want to call it, a seance kind of thing, um, where Stephanie Page Belson from the team, is our medium, is going to be there, and it's going to be on, on Zoom, and you'll be able to ask her three questions, and then she'll use the runes and whatever else she has to power up to. Um, I got a second. Yeah. There he is. He's right there. No, he isn't. That's not. Is that him? Yeah, he just called. Let me call him back. We're going to get this, I swear to God. He just called me. Up is on the seventh on the nineteenth. We're going to be doing a séance uh, reading kind of thing, and uh, this is insane. Did he leave me a message? Yes, he did. Hang on one second. Let me see what his message is. That's transcribing. You know, like Forrest Gump movie when he looks at Jenny. You know, when she's throwing rocks at the house, and he looks up at Jenny and he says, "You know, sometimes there just aren't enough rocks." This is how the day has gone, and I can honestly say that. I got two messages from here, so <laughs> let's see if he's available. Okay, give me a call. Okay, I will do that. So let's see if we can get this going. This is insane. Oh, my God, this is crazy. Okay. We're going to get this done. It's happening. I tell you, it's happening. Huh. Hello? Hello. Sorry for that. I had a set of headphones that died. Yeah, so... Uh... Maybe we can get a good conversation going through the phone. Yes, sir. We can do that. I'm going to push you over here right now. Hang on. All right. How are you today? I am well, thank you. Ready to have, uh, shall we say, a stimulating conversation about ghosts and photos? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, I apologize. My um, sound counseling headphones decided to die right when the show started. So I didn't know what the audio problem was. So I was, pan I was in panic mode there for a while. <laughs> Um, not a problem. Okay, so tell me about yourself, sir. Well, hope, hope those choppers aren't too loud. I got two military copters flying over me. 
It's all good. We've got a lot of, we've got a lot of uh, military right around where I live. But uh, anyway, we have to go back about a decade if you want to hear, hear the full story. And a decade ago, what I was doing was giving historical tours of Colonial Williamsburg. I was working for a tour company. And they asked me, hey, Tim, you're doing a great job. Would you like to give guest tours? And, you know, I really didn't want to because I didn't believe in ghosts at the time. But my college loans were coming due and I needed some extra money. So I kind of reluctantly said, okay. So they handed me a script. They said, here, memorize this. I memorized the script. I passed the test. And I started taking people out on ghost tours, telling them stories that I did not believe. But about uh, two and a half weeks into it, I had a group of uh, people that uh, were adamant about taking photographs of the place that I was talking about. You know, I had seen that before, no big deal. And I had never seen anything come up on the cell phones. But this time there was one lady that she got something on her cell phone. And you should have saw the big smile on her face. And she marched that cell phone right over under my nose and said, look what I got. And I did. And it was a full body apparition of a ghost. Wow. I I knew she had just taken the photo. So uh, I started to become skeptical about my own skepticism. So that said, it happened several more times the rest of the summer. So by the end of the summer, I'm a full on believer in ghosts because I'm, I'm the type of person that has to see something to believe it. And I did. Mm-hmm. Several times I saw people take photos of the books that I was talking about on the ghost tour and they had something remarkable, at least for my eyes, and that was visual proof of the paranormal. So since cell phones back in, now this is 2010, 2011, since cell phone cameras were not that good, I thought I should be able to get something a whole lot better if I take professional equipment down and I go to all the places that I saw people capture something on their cell phones. And so that was my next mission after the touring season was over. And I did, and once I had the first photo, I was hooked. Fascinating. You know, I was looking at the photos on your website. I mean, they're really cool. Really, really cool. And how, I mean, I don't want you to give away your secrets because obviously, you know, I know what it's like because I'm a photographer. But how do you, you like, go about getting the photos? Are you sensitive? Do you you have a feeling about, you know, when to take them or or how's that work? Yeah, I I would say that I have a feeling about when and where to take them. But uh, it it also has to do with uh, some logical things. One of the things that I've discovered early on was the moon was a factor. Mm. I wasn't sure why the moon was a factor, but the fuller the moon, and it has to be visible too, but the more full the moon is, the more apt I am to capture ghosts. Interesting. One of the things that I didn't know why for the longest time, but I stumbled across some research, and this was done by two 
Italian astronomers. And what they discovered by taking gamma ray photos of the moon, they discovered that it was brighter than the sun as far as emitting gamma rays. So I'm going to take a leap and say that perhaps that's why guests are able to show themselves much better when there's a full moon. They, these gamma rays are giving them the energy since they are electric, electromagnetic in nature. These gamma rays may be giving them the energy to be able to make an appearance. You know, as a paranormal investigator leading a team um, for as long as I have, I've also found that there's just certain people that have a touch to get these kinds of photos. You know, I don't know what it is, but, you know, you obviously have that touch. I have one person on my team that's gotten, you know, a couple apparitions like that. But I always, you know, it always seems to be, you know, certain people have that ability. So maybe, you know, I, I agree with you about the conditions with the moon and the gamma rays and stuff, but also I, I think you might just be a tad sensitive. Well... <laughs> First off, let me let me state that I'm not psychic in any way that okay. I know of. Okay. But but that said, when I did book presentation in uh, this was near Glen Burnie, Maryland, mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, I met a psychic up there who worked for the paranormal group that I went to speak before, you know, and showed some slides from my book. Now, this guy walks into me, and I, I didn't know who he was at all. And he walks up to me and introduces himself, and he says, I knew who you were the minute that I walked into the room. And he said, and I got to tell you, the ghosts know who you are and what you're going to. So perhaps you're right in that last statement that you made. Right, because you, you may not be aware of it, you know what I mean? But it's just it's just something that you're able to do. Some people, you know, can hear them or see them and, and you and, and you and then they come to you through through, through the camera lens. So it yes. makes a decent uh, sense. What's interesting is I've been several times down in Williamsburg by other people. Yeah, I down there. Mm -hmm. And and what I do is I show people the ghost photos on a large Samsung Galaxy. It's a uh, portable notebook, and mm -hmm. I show them in front of the places that I took photos, mm -hmm. and I point the exact location I took the photo out so that they have a chance to take their own photos. And I have them pointers. Here's the reason I've I've uh, had a lot of people that have come and said, "Oh, you're." photos of, I think, the Photoshop tricks. Mm -hmm. And for a while, what I was trying to do was get a graphic forensic analyst to look and validate that my photos had not been injured, engineered on some computer program or in Photoshop, but they were real, genuine photos. And that has proved to be a difficult task. I had a guy that interviewed out of Houston is since one of my friends his name's Avalon and with the police as a uh, hypnotist he regresses people so that they could come up with uh, the repressed memories of uh, a crime that they were a victim of and he told me that forensic photographic analysts would be reluctant to look at anything because it might shall we say, reduce their credibility. Mm -hmm. So 
want to touch that. So, like I said, getting back to my tour, what I do is I show people them pointers on how to take ghosts so that they can capture them because the more people capture ghost photos on my tours, the more that my photos are being validated. So I've had, as of now, over 200 people capture ghosts on my tours. And that's like a small army of witnesses to say these photos are genuine. And I know that because I've got my own photos. Absolutely. Uh, What type of camera do you use? I have several different Canon bodies. Okay. Okay. I have a question in the chat room that says, what kind of camera that's affordable that people can use to try and get ghost photos? Say that one again. Uh, The question is, what type of camera can someone buy that's affordable to get these kind of photos? Oh, you just store it again. I'm sorry. Okay. Are you there? Okay. Yes, I'm here. Yeah, I, yeah. Because they're just wondering what you know if if you need a fancy camera to get these kind of photos is what I think is what they're wondering. I mean, can you just use a cell phone? Yeah. Okay. On that bit of reception problems, I don't know why I moved outside to uh, because I had a better reception out here. And, and by the way, I, I am sorry about the uh, connect. That's no problem. That's no problem. Are you there? I think I lost him. Let's try this again. It's going to be one of those nights, can't you tell? God, I love these nights. Let me call him back. He's probably still on. It's just going to be one of those nights. Let me just him back. <laughs> oh my word just one of those nights you guys let me get him back we're just having issues it might be my power went out earlier too here so everything's messed up <laughs> since then my headphones hello oh I thought it was that He's probably still talking, and he doesn't realize that we lost him. Aren't cell phones great? Yeah, anyway, you know, my power went out. Please leave your message yeah. for seven, five, seven, Give him a second. Five. Give him a second. He'll figure out that I'm not there. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it has to do with the weather here. we got, like, this weird rain going on, and it's kind of crazy. And um, it's not very heavy rain, but it's enough to drive things insane. So he just called me. See what he says. Yes, I'll call you back. <laughs> he lost his connection. So just bear with us. This is just going to be this kind of night, you know. We're just gonna we're just gonna get through this. It's good. I'm happy. Let me call him back. It's all good. Okay. Ah, no problem. It's okay. I'm having issues on my end too, so it's cool. <laughs> it's just okay. just one of those nights. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. What, what I was going to mention was that uh, I had a Cox technician come out today and check my 
high-speed internet, and he comes back in and says, I don't know what's wrong. I can't fix something because I don't know what's wrong. So I guess I'm stuck with this problem. It's just that kind of day. My internet's not the best either, believe me. And then uh, what happened, I don't know if it knocked the headphones out that I had, but the power went out about 15 minutes before showtime, and then everything came back on. And then my headphones had died, and then it's just been like that since then. <laughs> One of those nights. So um, I'm really intrigued by your photos because I've never seen anybody that can get this kind of go get these kind of photos over and over and over. So it absolutely fascinates me because you know I'm a, I'm also a photographer, so I get what goes into trying to get these things and you know and how to do it. So um, can you share with us any like you said you you were talking about the the you think the moon might have something to do with it? Can you share with us? techniques you know that, that people should look out for when they're trying to take these photos well one, one of the things that i would recommend is to try to go into something besides visible light now it doesn't always work but uh, i'm talking about full spectrum infrared or ultraviolet okay and uh, that's that's one of the things the, you have to uh in some cases buy stuff special lenses or uh, have your camera re-outfitted. But uh, that's one idea. And something else is that when you go to a uh, haunted place, you don't want to have all the lights out. Okay. And the reason for that, I believe, I don't, of course, I don't know for sure, but because we're dealing with light that is electromagnetic in nature, it needs to have a source of energy. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times that source of energy is going to be the ambient lighting from either the house or maybe a street light or something like that. So when you see these ghost shows going into these places and they shut off all the lights, they're defeating their purpose. These ghosts have to have some sort of an energy source and one of the best things that I find is ambient lighting. Very good. That's really cool. I never thought about that either because, I mean, everybody goes in in the dark pretty much, you know, as far as ghost investigators go. And I never thought about that, but that's true. They have, they have to get the energy from somewhere. That's so, so true. What's one of the most interesting images that you got? Oh, my goodness. I, there's so many of them. Um. I'll, I'll tell you one that I was just looking at because uh, I, I had uh, somebody from, it's a uh, producer out in California that was asking me about my photos too. And uh, this one that I showed her was taken at a church in Colonial Williamsburg. It's a, the Anglican church. Mm -hmm. And it was right after the Christmas Eve service let out and this was about two years ago and i was taking photos of the people that were walking out because what was so interesting intriguing compelling about the whole scene was that there were as many ghosts flying out of those doors as there were real people and in some cases i was capturing whole or partial images sometimes it was just streaks of ghosts coming out of that church. But right to the left of the door, I captured something that really blew my mind, and that was 
for all intents and purposes, it looks like a red gargoyle or a red uh, demon or serpent or something like that. It's uh, a rather frightening-looking creature. Only a, only the head and a part of the body showed through, but uh, it was enough that uh, it made me wonder why was this creature right outside the doors of this church waiting for these people to come out. Mm-hmm. Wow. You're so talented with this stuff. You know, I was looking at the photos on, you know, on the website, which I'm showing some of them right now. And the talent that you have is incredible. I just, I, I'm just speechless. Thank you so much. I'll tell you another interesting story that I had was, uh, this was at Williamsburg's most haunted house. That's called the Peyton Randolph house. And I would probably say that it's one of the most haunted on the East Coast. But it doesn't get a lot of press because Colonial Williamsburg refuses, A, to acknowledge that the places are haunted, mm -hmm. and B, they also refuse to allow any TV shows to come in and uh, have an investigation of this place. But that said, I've captured some amazing photos, and... Uh, most of the photos I've taken from the outside, but one of the most intriguing I took on the inside, and that was of Mrs. Randolph's room. Now, during the 18th century, this was uh, right around 1776, Mrs. Randolph had a young slave woman named Eve, and Eve tried to escape twice. The reason why she was escaping was she was trying to get to the British forces because the British forces had promised if any slaves left their masters that uh, and came and helped the forces that they would earn their freedom. Mm -hmm. So that's what this young woman Eve was trying to do was to become free and she escaped twice and was captured and brought back to the house after whippings. Now what What's interesting about this is when I went into this house, I took a photo inside Mrs. Randolph's bedroom. And mind you, Eve was Mrs. Randolph's personal servant. And in the mirror in that bedroom, I captured the face of a young, angry African-American woman looking out at me. And I knew right then and there that that was Eve. And... What's even more interesting and compelling about the story is that, see, Eve was whipped twice for running away from uh, the Randolph house, but that wasn't enough for Mrs. Randolph. And so what Mrs. Randolph did was put in her will that Eve was to be taken and sold off separately from her friends and her family. And here's the rub. She had two young sons. So that meant that when Mrs. Randolph died just a few years later, that Eve would never get to see her young sons again. Hmm. So Eve is supposed to have put a curse on this house. And for the longest time, I thought that a curse was words. Uh, I know the integral parts of uh, any type of curse because I'd never really looked at that before. But... After looking at the uh, conjuring, the story about the conjuring with Ed and uh, Lorraine Warren, 
I found out that a curse is much more involved, and it sometimes involves these uh, things that they put together, and they call up a demon to enforce this curse. And so that is supposedly what Eve did to this house. And so there is possibly a demonic entity within the house. And there have been some interesting stories that come out of this house that uh, I would say more than validate that assumption. That, that, that's, a, that's very interesting. You know, I would love to get back there to do some investigating and looking around. You know, I've never had a chance to get back there. There's just so much history back there. So much compared to here. Yeah, there is. And uh, it's it's amazing how far back the history goes and uh, all of the all of the uh, wars and destruction and pain and death that are around this area. You know, for example, there were Early on, they were fighting the Native Americans, and then later on, they were fighting the British. And then we come to the mid-19th century, and there was a major civil war battle here in Williamsburg. And uh, after that, there were activities from the Ku Klux Klan. And in the uh, early 1900s, specifically around 1918, they had this massive Spanish influenza epidemic here and uh, that killed over 200 people so there, there's been a lot of pain and death that I think is the reason why this place is so very haunted um, have you had a chance to get the or have you gotten any pictures of uh, of Civil War guys you know army guys Yes, I believe I have, and uh, and let me tell you how I know how they're from the Civil War. You see, in the early 18th century, up until uh, about the 1800s, so we're talking, uh, it gets a little bit earlier than that, but uh, up to the 1800s, all of the men were clean-shaven, and they had either long hair in a ponytail, or they had the wigs. Mm-hmm. Now, after that, about the mid-19th century, all the men, particularly in the South, started sporting facial hair, mainly beards. And so when I've taken photos in Colonial Williamsburg and I get a clean-shaven face, I know that it's most likely from the 18th century, from the Revolutionary War period. And if I get a man with a full beard, then it's most likely the Civil War period, right around uh, the Battle of Williamsburg, which took place May 5th, 1862. So I, I would have to think that uh, the people that I captured, the men that I captured that are bearded, are most likely casualties of the Battle of Williamsburg, or as some people call it, the Battle of Fort Magruder. Okay, that, that's just, it just interests me so much, because I know the energy you know, has to be really high in that area because, like you say, all that history happened. Yeah, you're, you're so right. Just, just for example, the Civil War battle here. At the end of the day, there were 3,843 casualties laying out on that battlefield. That's a lot of people. That's, that's more than uh, were taken out in the, uh, in the 911 attacks. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
I mean, it's just so impressive. I can't wait. You know, I'm going to take a trip. I'm trying to try to get there, you know, this summer sometime, you know, to to get back there because I've never even been to Gettysburg. I've never been to any of those places. And I really want to sure. go. Because the reports. I'll be glad know, to show you around. Cool. Because, you know what, some of those reports, like even about, you know, the, the, the legendary one where the gal went down the elevator and she ended up in the hospital, in what looked like a hospital. You know, you get that all the time. Or people walking down the street in Gettysburg, and they'll look in a window, and they'll see a body in the window with somebody sitting by the body, and then the next day it's a regular store. You know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, the activity is just incredible. Yeah, you are so right. And in uh, the very fact that people on my tour are, are able to come up with photos of uh, just some random things, uh, just... Just last week, I had a young woman from North Carolina, and she captured a skeletal-looking figure looking out the window at the Williamsburg jail. And uh, just a few weeks before that, I had a... was photographed, and uh, right at one of the stops that we made, which is particularly haunted. It's called the Courthouse of 1770. Mm -hmm. She took a photo of her husband standing there, and when she looked at the photo, there were two ghost faces right at his shoulder. And I, I could go on and on with all kinds of examples of uh, whether it's ghosts or lots of shadow figures here, too. And uh, there are also some creatures that make you wonder, are, are there alien ghosts? Right. You know what? I I always say this when I talk to the, to the ufologists and people that do that. I've always wondered about that because, you know, um, some of the reports of alien abductions, the ghosts, uh, the, ghost, the, the aliens can actually go, go through walls like a ghost. And so I've always wondered if, you know, some of these things that we're looking at are aliens and not, and not human figures. I've always had a theory about that. Yeah, I, I believe you're right. And, um, I looked at the, some of the works of John Mack. He's a Harvard professor, and uh, he's dead now, but for many years he was studying the paranormal. And one of the things that he always professed was that the paranormal in all of its many divided character categories, it's all really interrelated. And so uh, he said that ghosts are interrelated with these aliens, which a lot of people consider to be interdimensional beings. And uh, instead of trying to study everything separately, he tried to study everything at once and connect the dots. And there, there's another uh, PhD, this fellow, his name's Colm Kelleher, and he was at the Skinwalker Ranch, and he wrote a book about that. This was before the television show. And he's writing and agreeing with Professor John Mack about the same thing and about what he said is that uh, aliens are very much like ghosts in that they can walk through walls and they can appear and disappear at will. So, yeah, I believe that I've captured a few a few photos of aliens or alien ghosts, whatever you'd like to call them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I, we, do, um, we do an ITC thing where uh, you put water in a uh, dark pan and you stir it and while you're stirring it you're asking questions like an EVP session but you're taking a flash camera because I, I also use a, a I use an icon I have a Canon you know real nice one and you're shooting flash photos into this and you will pick up these faces that look really alien 
when you're doing that stuff. That, that's interesting. Uh, I've never heard of that, but I have heard the fact that uh, flowing water is uh, conducive to bringing ghosts out because somehow they're able to extract energy from the flowing water. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes people, houses that uh, live around flowing water will see apparitions of ghosts. Yes, absolutely. Can you tell me um, some of the legends that, 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 well, of course you know them all because you're doing the tours, but can you share some of those legends with us of, of, of what places are haunted and what's in them? Absolutely. Okay. Um, one of the uh, more interesting ones is about Blackbeard the Pirate. Now, we have to go back in time to 1718. And Blackbeard was terrorizing the whole Atlantic seacoast, mainly the Chesapeake Bay and the Carolina area. Now, the Hideout for Blackbeard was in the Outer Banks off the coast of North Carolina. The island was called Ocracoke Island, and everybody seemed to know about that. But the North Carolina governor did not mind a bit that Blackbeard was hiding out in his state because he was getting kickbacks. He was getting bribes from Blackbeard. But the Virginia governor minded because Virginia was losing so much tobacco and uh, other goods from the pirating. And so Virginia governor at the time, he sent out a Captain Maynard in a small sailing vessel called a sloop to capture Blackbeard. But here's the problem. Blackbeard had a much larger vessel that he had commandeered off of the French and he had renamed it the Queen Anne's Revenge, and this ship had lots of cannon. Now, Captain Maynard is going down there to face off against Blackbeard in a small sailing vessel with no cannon. So it's like David going up against Goliath. Hmm. And so he immediately knows, you know, I can't outgun this guy, so I'm going to have to outthink him. So what he did was he sailed down to Ocracoke Island and he went into the inlet where Blackbeard's ship was anchored at night. And he had his crew as quietly as possible take down all the sails. And then they hid in the hold of the ship. That's the very bottom. And they waited the next day for the pirates because Maynard knew what was going to happen. Pirates were going to wake up out of their drunken stupor. They're going to look out and they're going to see an abandoned ship, or so they thought. And then they would get rowboats and row out to the ship to take it over for themselves. So that's what happened. And these men and Captain Maynard are all in the hold of the ship, hiding out as quietly as possible. And he gave them the signal as soon as they felt the boat rocking from the pirates getting on board. And so then he didn't that but have to have cannon. It was just going to be a battle between men and whatever weapons they had on them, you know, pistols, knives, cutlasses, whatever they had. And so this this combat ended up well, let me give you an an a description of Blackbeard first because uh, Blackbeard presented quite the intimidating figure. 
guy was six foot five. And that was at a time period when the vast majority of men were five, nine or less, mainly because of poor nutrition. So this guy was basically a giant to most men. And if that weren't intimidating enough, the guy, this big broad shouldered guy, he would tie cannon shoes to his beard and light them, which is kind of like an 18th century sparkler. So the guy has sparks dripping down from his beard. He's got smoke around his face from the fuses that are lit. And he's way bigger than most men. Most men wouldn't even attempt to fight the guy. He was so intimidating. But Captain Maynard did go up against him, and he almost lost his life. But it took quite a few stabs and shots to bring Blackbeard down, but he finally fell. And what they did was they cut off his head and threw his body overboard, and the rest of his crew, they all surrendered. Once they saw that their fearless leader was down, they put their hands up in the air. So they were brought back here to Williamsburg, and they were placed in the Williamsburg jail. And this jail is an original jail. It was built all the way back in 1704. And these pirates, they were put on trial at the Capitol. And 13 of the 15 men that they brought back were convicted. So if you've ever heard that saying, 13 men on a dead man's chest, that's referring to Blackbeard's crew. So what happened after that was these men got paraded around Williamsburg in what they called a death cart. And some people swear they still hear that death cart rolling around in the wee hours of the morning to this day. And after it would parade the future felons that were going to be killed around the city, they took them out to nearby Queens Creek. And what they did there was they would put stakes in the water at low tide. Now, this is just a little bit more than a creek. It's a tidal river basin. So it's greatly affected by the the tides. And at low tide, they would put stakes in the water, 13, of course, because that's how many pirates they had convicted. And they would tie the pirates to these stakes. And the pirates would have to wait the whole cycle of tide till high tide come in before the water would wash up over their heads and drown them. So it was uh, basically a psychological torture Hmm. waiting all day long for that high tide to come in and drown you. So uh, the pirates are some of the uh, ghosts that are responsible for the haunting at the Williamsburg jail and A lot of people, and I'm talking tourists, not just people that work there, have heard of chains rattling and moaning and groaning coming out of the jail cell. In fact, uh, some people have been so concerned, and, and I'm talking about the tourists. Some people have been so concerned about the moaning and groaning that they were sure that somebody was hurt in the building, and they end up calling 911 to have somebody come out and check out if anybody's hurt there. And, of course, the authorities, uh, particularly the uh, Colonial Williamsburg security, they know that whenever they get a call and they're going to have to go in the jail and investigate, they're, 
they know they're not going to find anything because it's the ghosts making the noise. Nobody's really hurt. That's uh, the story. Like I said, the stories back there are just so incredible. You know, because they're like, like there's so much history. Do you think the ghosts are there? You know, those particular ghosts are there because they're angry, you know, because they're angry for what happened to them. Or maybe they're just attached somehow to that jail. I, I think that uh, both suggestions that you just made are plausible. But here's something else that uh, I've heard of before as a reason why spirits do not move on. And that is the fact that, you know, whether you believe it or not, just about everybody has heard about heaven or hell and that hell is obviously a punishment for a life that has been full of corruption and evil. And a lot of people seem to think that these spirits are afraid to move on because Mm -hmm. they are going to be judged and put into hell. So that's that's another plausible explanation I, I could uh, think of for why they are attached to that place. They're afraid of what awaits them if they do move on. Absolutely. Now, have you got any photos that have been identified as far as the, as far as the p- people in them? Yes, I have. And let me tell you about the first one. It's it's a pretty interesting story. I had a friend of mine that he has a uh, He's part of a hunt club that's about 30 miles outside of Williamsburg in the middle of nowhere. And he had told me that he had seen, when he stayed there at night, a lady in white walking down the hallway. And he wanted me to go out there and photograph it and see if I could capture her. So I really didn't want to do it because the place doesn't have any compelling history or any intriguing ghost stories except for the lady in white and it was wasn't something that i could put in my blogs or put in any of my books or so i thought Mm -hmm. so i went out there just as a favor to him and i photographed all around the place i must have taken about 150 photos you can by the way you can never take too many photos right because ghosts moved so very quickly but i went out there and i took all these photos and i looked through all of them and i could not find a lady in white so i was kind of disappointed i didn't i didn't capture what i had set out to do so i did capture two faces in the window and i sent them to my friend and i said look, I'm sorry, I wasn't able to capture the lady in white, but there are no guarantees in in this business of uh, capturing exactly what you're looking for. But uh, hopefully you'll find these two faces intriguing. And uh, he must have been online at the uh, same time because he immediately responded within uh, just a couple minutes. And it said, OMG, that second face that you sent me is the face of my best friend and he he died in uh, williamsburg hospital of a heart condition in 1993 and this was uh, close to 20 years later Mm -hmm. and his face showed up in that window 
looking out at us as we got out of that car and I started taking photographs. And not only did my friend, who was this man's friend, positively identify the ghost photo as him, but four other members of the hunt club identified it too. So that was a, a really cool story. And it was, you know, it was a complete surprise to me because I thought that uh, I was going out there and uh, just looking for a lady in white. Mm -hmm. And here I get the first ghost photo that I ever had that had been positively identified as a living, breathing person that people knew. Now, there's another case where I had somebody identify a ghost not by the face because the face wasn't visible. Now, first off, let me, let me give you an example of uh, some of the photos that I get. And that is that the whole body does not always show up. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I will just get the uh, lower legs or the feet that will show up and the rest of the body is just either completely invisible or it looks like a white ephemeral mist. So well, this was the Boxwood Inn. It's uh, about 20 minutes away from Williamsburg in a small place called Lee Hall. And it's one of the most haunted sites in Virginia. It's usually in the top 10 list. The Boxwood Inn has been there for over 100 years and it's got a few stories. And the story that I were told or was looking for was a photograph place. But here's the rub out of all the stories that I was told, none of the photographs matched up to any of them. <laughs> but what did happen that was so intriguing and compelling was that uh, while I was upstairs, I aimed my camera downstairs and I took a picture of the manager as she was talking to a, a tour bus load of people that had uh, ate dinner there and listened to my book presentation. And so I took the, the photographs home and I analyzed them and I discovered that right next to the manager of uh, the Boxwood Inn, there was a white misty ghost, but the lower leg was completely visible and it looked like the uh, apparition was wearing blue jeans and it also looked like the um, apparition had on a tennis shoe. <laughs> so that was clear as day, even though the rest of the figure was this white mist. And it was standing right beside the manager, like I said. So uh, I told her this, and I showed her the photograph, and I said, you could tell that this isn't a ghost from way back when this place was constructed. It's a fairly modern ghost because of the tennis shoe. And she said, as she started to well up in her eyes with tears, she said, that's not a tennis shoe. That's my son's work shoe. Mm. And see, I had no idea about this story until she mentioned that. And then she proceeded to tell me that her son had died 
he basically dropped over dead of a heart condition in his early 40s. And he was there working with her as a cook. And I had no idea that that story even existed, and yet her son, whom she positively identified through the appearance of that shoe, appeared right next to her. And and here's the cool thing. I took that photo 10 years to the day after he has fell over dead. Mm-hmm. And he's standing right beside her in, in that hallway as she's talking to this group of tourists from, uh, I believe they're from Kentucky. But not only did she positively identify the shoe, but she went upstairs and she got the shoes because she kept them underneath her bed ever since he died. And uh, she said that that was his work shoe, his favorite shoes to wear. And she brought them down, showed me, and hey, it was a perfect match to the foot in the uh, in the photograph. So I had a photograph of a ghost positively identified by a shoe. How's that? That's pretty crazy. That's awesome. That's really awesome. What do you like about going out and taking these photos? Discovering things that I never thought were possible. You know, for example, the the alien question that we were just talking about a few minutes Mm -hmm. ago. You know, I've gotten some really bizarre looking photos of ghosts or aliens or alien ghosts, whatever you like to call them. All, All I can say is the appearance is really bizarre. And if I... If I hadn't taken the photographs, I would seriously doubt that a creature that looked like that existed. But I know that they do, and uh, I'm shocked. that It's, it's uh, something that I never really thought of before until mm-hmm. I started this paranormal odyssey. And uh, it's one of the strange, bizarre things that I've encountered. I- I've encountered a-, a lot more things, you know. For example, smells, I've I've been tapped on the back. I felt the icy cold presence of a ghost directed at my neck. I put my arm through a ghost. And the reason why I know I put it through a ghost is because it felt like I stuck my arm in a deep freezer. It was that cold. I had chill bumps all over my arm. All the little hairs were standing straight up. Mm -hmm. And... And uh, I tell you, it's just uh, amazing some of the uh, things that I've confronted, photographed, smelled, and felt, and heard since I started this. And to think that I didn't believe in ghosts before, it's it's been an amazing journey is all I can say. That sounds like it. What what, What do you think is the most active place that you've been to? I'd have to say Williamsburg. Okay. And I've, I've covered, uh, you see, after I did two books on Williamsburg, and then I redid my first book. So I put out a second edition of my first book because I had over 100 new photos that I thought were much better than the original book. And I put in seven new chapters. So after I did those three books, people started saying, well, the only place you 
get ghosts in Williamsburg. So I thought, wow, I got something to prove. So immediately I started going all over the state of Virginia. And I just put that book out this past spring. And then, of course, after I put out the book on Virginia, then people start saying, well, this is the only place you can get ghosts in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So my next goal is to go all over the country, but not just that. I don't know if you watch ghost shows or not on television, but uh, ever since I became a believer, I started watching the ghost shows because I wondered what kind of equipment they were using. Right. I actually, I actually thought that they would have a lot better photos than I did. And uh, I discovered that that wasn't so, that uh, a lot of the evidence that they present on camera is sketchy at best. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do in this next book is go behind the paranormal TV shows. So what I'm talking about is going to some of the more infamously haunted places mm-hmm. that they have actually been at and done an investigation. And I want to go and take photographs of that place and basically get the visual proof that they did not. And I've been to, well, over 12 places already, and I've been quite successful at that. So it's uh, it's a new part of my paranormal odyssey to uh, go to these different places in the United States and, and find these ghosts at places where these shows have been and uh, basically did not have any visual evidence that they were there. That makes sense. Makes sense. Because, yeah, I agree with you. I don't watch a lot of those shows because, you know, I'm, I'm ghost hunting too much. You know what I mean? But I'm like you when I see some of these photos. It, it makes you wonder what the hell it is they're shooting or, or what it was. Because it's it's not like the stuff like you're getting in the field. It's not like the stuff we get when we do get stuff, you know. So um, I agree with you 100%. That's a great idea to, to, to go in behind them. That's great. And you, you know what's funny is that uh, when I went to Gettysburg, I this uh, haunted bed and breakfast that had been visited and investigated by one of the more famous of the uh, ghost shows. And the lady that uh, owned the place, she was she was there with me, of course. And uh, as I went around taking photos, she said, "You know, I stayed up all night with those guys." And nothing really happened. But when I saw the show that they produced, I was actually dumbfounded because all of the stuff that they happened, I didn't see a bit. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's telling me, she's telling me that uh, all of the stuff that they, they supposed to be with in this Tibetan breakfast Oh, uh, yeah, I can believe it. I can believe it because they got to keep the ratings up on the TV shows. Wow. Um, what do you say to people that want to start taking photos like this? You there? Okay, yeah. Hello? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm here. 
So, yeah, so, again, okay. you kind of broke up. So, what do you say to people that want to take these kind of photos? I'd say that you don't have to initially go out and buy a whole lot of uh, expensive equipment because I have been pretty successful at capturing ghosts just with my iPhone. Now, I'm talking a late model iPhone, though, because... Uh, the newer models, they have great night photographing ability. Mm -hmm. And they, they capture a lot more. Sometimes uh, sometimes you even see more in these uh, photos with iPhone or the Samsung. Both of them have good capability for taking photos at night. And, and by the way, you should turn off your flash when you're taking them at night. And so when you do that, you are going to have to hold the camera still for about three seconds because it's a uh, delayed shot. Mm -hmm. But you can go photos if you go to a haunted place with an iPhone or a Samsung and you just uh, are observant. And uh, I would recommend going sometime around the full moon. Okay. And I would also say that uh, warmer weather is better than cold weather. Because, again, we're, we're going back to that energy factor. Mm -hmm. And um, need some sort of an energy source, particularly they're going to show up. So I find that uh, very often the warmer weather is more conducive to the guests showing up than really cold weather. What do you think is probably the most um, popular photo that you've taken? I would have to say the uh, face of the uh, of the that I told you the story about at the Peyton Randolph house in the mirror. Uh -huh. She's angry. She's looking out at me like almost like it's my fault that uh, she's in the in the situation and uh, I've got to say because because of the intriguing story goes with you know, the curse that, that uh, she was with and then separated from her children and she never got to see her children again and one thing that I didn't mention just a few minutes ago is that Eve is the one in that house that uh, the people there so I'm talking the interpreters Mm -hmm. that they believe she tried to shove people down the And uh, they've, the two people that I've talked to that both told me that uh, had because the shove was quite hard that at the bottom probably with a broken neck. Wow. And so uh, Eve is purportedly a rat, violent ghost shoves people on the stairs at the minimum, and some say she's linked to the demonic entity. And whether that's true or not, I don't know, but all I do know is that place is way up there as far as haunted buildings on the east coast of the United States. Now, when you take people on these tours, how long are the tours usually? 
Well, it's usually, it was originally supposed to be an hour, right? Asking fake questions, and they'd be looking at their, their phones to see if they captured anything. Mm -hmm. Usually, it'll stop being an, an hour and a half, two hours. Okay. Okay, that's it's really cool. It's really cool. Um, tell me, you know, we we, we kind of you you kind of uh, talked about your books, but t tell me about your first book. How did that come about? It came out in twenty sixteen, and uh, see, sure I'd gotten I've taken over ten thousand photographs in just a few, years, and. Uh, Experimenting with different camera bodies, different lenses, different types of light, and making it of uh, the different types of weather and the results that I got. And uh, what I ended up with out of 10,000 photographs is 230 good ghost photos. Okay. So that goes to show you how many I had to delete. Right. And I did not use film, so it's all digital. But that said, there were a few books that had been written by about colonial or ghosts that had already been published. But my friends and fans were anxious for me to write the, write a book too because I think nobody else. Mm -hmm. Some queries, and I got a three book deal with Shipper Publishing, mm -hmm. and no. What's so cool was when my book came out. See, I'm a I'm a graduate of the College of William and Mary, and uh, I had uh, my publisher send several books to the Library of Virginia to have it considered for nonfiction book of the year, and it was nominated in 2016 for nonfiction book of the year. And what was interesting was that uh, the woman that was part of the panel that had nominated, she was a William and Mary graduate too, and she said that the on the campus of William and Mary is called the Wren Building, and it was all the way back in 1695. It's the oldest college building still in continual use. And she said, whenever I had in that building, she said, I felt things and I, and I could hear things in the, uh, and in the attic whenever we had class. And I knew my sixth sense was telling me that there were ghosts in that place. And I've had a suspicion my whole life. And you are the first person that, by producing photographs of the building. So that, that was a pretty cool experience. I, I met this woman, and uh, she was kind enough to nominate my book for Nonfiction Book of the Year for 2016. Fantastic. How can people find you? Well, my books are on Amazon, of course. And if you just remember, my name is Tim... And Skull with the Sea Lion. Skull Lion. Okay. And awesome. uh, you can access my books on uh, at Chico Publishing. 
<laughs> and of course, of course, I have all the um, basic that everybody else has. I am an author, and uh, I'm also on Twitter, and uh, I blogs on WordPress all the time. Stuff that uh, doesn't always get in my books will usually go in my blogs. And by the way, I have an interesting group on Facebook, and I'm trying to expand membership. Okay. And it's called, well, the, the abbreviation is RPPV. It stands for the Repository International of Paranormal Photos and Videos. And uh, after I the coast, okay. was a couple of years ago, I had people start sending me in ghost photos that they had taken. And I just I keep them, you know, send them back a comment about what I thought it was. And that was it. wanted to be that too. So that's why I formed a Facebook group for uh, the opportunity of people from all over the country to uh, send paranormal photos that they have captured on their cameras and to get other people's comments and viewpoints about that. And the reason why I had called international was because very quickly I got my photographs from from the uh, UK because I did a podcast and a radio show over there. And... Uh, I also even got one from China. So anywhere in the world, I'm looking for people to send in the photos that they've captured in, in this group. It's called RIPB. Terrific. Tim, this, this hour blew by, and I appreciate you being so patient tonight. And I'd love to get you on again. This was fantastic. Your photos are terrific. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You have to come here and visit uh, Williamsburg and... Uh, I'll take you to the, uh, all the haunted places. Definitely. All right, sir, well, you have a good evening. All right, you too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. You are welcome. Good, good night. Okay, well, that was an interesting show. We started out rocky, but at least we got it done, right? We got her done. Um, before you guys go, don't all disappear on me. I got several announcements to make. Uh, again, if you guys are interested, you know, Solstice is coming up. Solstice is a time for especially in the winter. It's a time for relaxation. It's a time to for renewal. So it's, it's a time to think back on, on what's gone on in your life, what's going on in your life, and what you want to do in the future. And a, and a way to do that is uh, Stephanie Page Belson and I, the medium from our team, have decided to put together a, uh, a seance uh, psychic reading thing on, on the 19th of this month. And that's a Sunday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific. And each each person that's there will have the opportunity to ask her three questions. It doesn't matter what the questions are. If you want to find out about your future, you want to find out, you know, maybe you have deceased loved ones, you know, things going on like that, you can do that. And what she'll do is, is she'll take every, each person individually and answer their questions. And she uses runes and she'll use tarot cards and, and, and you know, does other stuff. Now, if, she, if, if you happen to have a deceased relative or deceased friend come, come forward, Stephanie will take the time to talk, discuss with them and discuss with you as well. So if that sounds like something you might be interested in, 
uh, you can uh, pick that up on our website at www.californiahauntsradio.com. Go up to the top where it says Extras, and it'll show events, special, special events. Click on that. That'll take you right into that. Um, but it's, it's going to be a really cool event. You know, it's going to be on Zoom, and uh, that's just something we, we want to do for everybody for the solstice. Um, tomorrow night, we've got a great guest. Wow, we got it's going to be... Um, uh, almost a two-hour show. We're, we're talking initially hour and a half. This gentleman that I'm going to have on likes to talk, so this is why we're doing this, and he's got a lot to say. Um, Steve U- Steve Ubaney is an author, bi- biographer, researcher, and he's done research on the death of Princess Diana, and he's going to be on to talk to us about who he thinks, from the evidence that he's gathered and what he's looked at, killed Princess Diana, because it wasn't as cut and dry as people say it is. So, uh, in fact, I just got done reading the book last night. So, yeah, it's an eye-opener. So that that's going to be our show tomorrow. We're going to be on for a while tomorrow night. So make sure you have all your munchies and stuff together and you, you, and you, put, a, you, you put aside an hour and a half, two hours, because we're, we're going to be talking to Steve. Um, again, uh, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. Uh, hopefully I'll have different headphones tomorrow, but if I don't, I don't. Life goes on. But uh, do tell your friends about us. We are trying to get our numbers up. Um, we we hit our 117 mark on YouTube for subscribers. Now we want to hit 200. That's the next goal is, is 200 subscribers. So if you could find it in your heart to share this, and not only with five people, but if, if, you, if, if, if you like this show and you follow us, please go out to your friends and please go out to your relatives and please tell them about this show because we really want to get the word out. I think it's a pretty good show, and I think you guys wouldn't be hanging out, you know, every night if it, if you didn't think so too. So please help us out. Um, for the local people that are that are here in Sacramento, we're going to have business cards as well that you can pass out and stuff, so we can start getting the word out even more. But we want to build up uh, our subscriber numbers, and the only way to do it is with you guys to help us out. Okay, um, even if you get people to go to our website at www.californiahauntsradio.com. They can go into YouTube from there and, and, and subscribe on those videos. If you like this video, and this is an appeal for people that hear me um, on the podcast version and hear me right now looking at you through the camera. If you like this video, click on subscribe because, we're like I said, we're looking for subscribers. You know, we want it. The more the merrier, and uh, we want to get the word out. Anyway, um, the other issue is, and I forgot to run it. Down at the bottom, I'm going to run it right now. See, that's because everything got all convoluted when I started the show. There we go. That ticker down at the bottom says, Donate to PayPal at PayPal.me at California Haunts. At California Haunts. That's because the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team is non-profit, meaning we don't have any income coming in to support this except my income to support this thing and whatever we get for donations. So, like, my heart attack tonight was my mixer that I thought maybe the mixer was going out, and that was going to be like a $200 cost to get the show back up and running. So it's stuff like that. So if you guys could help me out, you know, with just just a small donation, that would be wonderful because I need to keep things going with this, you know, the, the equipment costs. If a mic goes down, i got to replace it. If the headphones go down, i got to replace them. Just like I had an extra... You know, if, if, if the focus right that I do the mixing with goes down, I have to replace that. Lighting, everything. So you know, if you could find it in your heart, not only that, paranormal equipment to do our investigations as well. Um, if you could find it in your heart to donate a little bit at paypal.me at California Haunts, that would be really awesome of you. But again, I want to thank you guys for coming, and I appreciate it. I appreciate every time you come. I will see you tomorrow night 
on time at six, our usual time is six thirty Pacific, and uh, hopefully things won't be imploding like it did tonight. But I appreciate you being patient enough to wait the ten minutes for me to get back on, and then the extra five minutes for me to get the guest back on, and to get the guest on. So I appreciate everything you guys did for me tonight. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys tomorrow and sharing tomorrow's guest with you because it's going to be a good show. But again, uh, thank you, and please, please uh, sub subscribe and tell tell everybody you know about us. In the meantime, I will see you tomorrow, and have a let me cue me up. See, I got all this stuff, and have a good evening. Bye bye. <laughs>